Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good day to all my loyal bed crimers who show up every day to watch my videos and listen to them. And hello to anyone who's new here. I'm very happy to have you. Just a quick word from our sponsor, me. Making content takes time to research, write, and record. If you guys want to support my channel, please consider a monthly membership or a donation to my Patreon. I also have some very cool merchandise that you might want to check out. And hey, if money's tight, I understand. Just hit that like button and subscribe. Those are very helpful ways you can show your support. Enough with that, let's get started. I continue to reel from the conflicting information regarding Debbie Collier's cause and manner of death. Based on the comments you guys have left me, it sounds like you're all pretty much reeling too. To try to understand these reports about the investigators maybe leaning toward an accident or an unaliving scenario, I watched Court TV's recent segment with journalist and publisher Joy Purcell of Habersham Now, who's been covering the case from the jump as well as with Professor of Forensics at Jacksonville University, Joseph Scott Morgan of the Body Bags podcast, and also retired FBI Special Agent Bobby Chacone. Purcell told Vinny that after speaking to several sources very close to the investigation, it appears that investigators are thinking now that Debbie Collier's death could be due to something other than what most people have suspected from the very beginning and what law enforcement told us at the start, which was that Collier's case was a murder investigation. Purcell is one of the reporters saying that investigators may be leaning now toward an accident or an unaliving scenario. She also told Politano that these unnamed sources have said to her that the investigators are now pulling back from looking at certain family members as potential persons of interest. Purcell also brought up the timeline that investigators shared regarding the period during which Debbie Collier died. You may recall that the Habersham County Sheriff's Office said that Collier died sometime between 3.19 p.m. on Saturday, September 10th, when she was last seen alive in the Family Dollar Store parking lot, and 12.44 p.m. on Sunday, September 11th, when her body was found. Now, I believe Purcell misstated that last time because she said 12.55 p.m. instead of 12.44 p.m. All along, the police have said 12.44 was the time that Debbie was found. Purcell then brought up the all-important time of 3.17 p.m., and that was when Debbie's daughter, Amanda Bearden, received the Venmo money and the cryptic message. They're not going to let me go. According to Purcell, her sources are saying that the police now know for sure that the Venmo money and the cryptic message were sent from Debbie Collier's device while she sat in the vehicle in the family dollar store parking lot. Purcell also mentioned the text that Debbie's device sent to Jeffrey Bearden. 
Debbie's son, which said simply, I love you. That message did not go through to Jeffrey Bearden. Note that Amanda Bearden's boyfriend, Andrew Geigerich, who keeps showing up in my comments section, insinuated that Jeffrey Bearden had blocked his mother, Debbie, at some point, and that's why Debbie's message to Jeffrey did not get to him. After those messages, Debbie's phone went silent. At this point, Joseph Scott Morgan weighed in to say that the problem right now is that we don't have Debbie Collier's autopsy results and toxicology report. Toxicology is important because it will let us know if Debbie Collier had any unusual substances in her system at the time of death. Joseph Scott Morgan said that he thinks the reason for the delay in getting the autopsy report and tox results is that the police are exhausting everything they have. And I think what he meant by that was that they're exhausting every piece of evidence that they have. Morgan then said that what he finds most interesting at this point is that the police now have an arson investigator working on the case, and that on the clothing found at the scene, investigators did detect the presence of an accelerant. So that would be something like gasoline on Debbie's clothes. Morgan then said that when the autopsy results and tox reports come out, he and we should be looking for two things. One, Debbie's lungs. Did she inhalate anything, meaning did she breathe anything in? He said that generally in fire-related deaths, the forensic pathologist will find soot in the airways and down into the lungs. So far, all that we've heard from these unnamed sources is that soot was found in Debbie's nostrils. And two, Morgan said that he's going to be looking for the results of something called a carboxyhemoglobin level test. From this test, the pathologist will be looking to see if there was carbon monoxide in Debbie Collier's system. Morgan said that carbon monoxide is a derivative of a fire burning. So if that's in Debbie's system, along with tiny particles from a fire, it will help tell the story of what caused Debbie's death ultimately. Morgan also stated that he wants to know how extensive Debbie's injuries were. He noted that the information we've all received so far has been vague. He mentioned the focal point of the abdomen. Morgan said that burning oneself is one of the rarest methods of unaliving. He said that he'd only seen that three times throughout his long career. And he also said that generally there's a severe psychotic break before a person does this form or method of unaliving. Retired FBI special agent Bobby Chacon said that if he were in charge of the investigation, he would set up two teams. So he said he'd get one to follow the narrative of a possible accident, and then the other one to investigate a possible 
unaliving. He said the two teams would look at the evidence from different angles and see what physical evidence supports each one of those scenarios. Chacon pointed out that initially there was reporting that there was no gas can found at the scene. And now we're hearing that the investigators went back to the crime scene and then found remnants of a burned gas can. I just can't believe that these people did not find all the evidence on the day they processed the crime scene. It's just unbelievable. Those remnants of a burned gas can could have been picked up by somebody turning up at the crime scene and taking away bits of things they found there. Chacon went on to say that it's highly unusual for a female to unalive herself by fire. He said that when you look at the statistics on that, the fire scenario or method is one of the least used. Note that Chacon repeatedly talked about a burned car, and he stated that maybe Debbie was running down the embankment toward the ravine to put out whatever fire might be engulfing her and her jersey t-shirt. Take a listen. There's also reporting that initially there was not a gas can, but then they went back and they found remnants of a gas can under where that burned car was. So, you know, it's very, it's highly unusual. Did you hear him mention remnants of a gas can under the burned car? This is the first time I've heard anyone talk about a burning car. And honestly, I think Special Agent Chacon, unless I'm wrong, didn't study up on the case maybe before appearing on Vinnie Palatano's show, or we've not been told information that maybe he has access to. But I would hate to put this rumor out there if it's not true. And if it wasn't true, then why didn't anybody on the panel speak up to say, hey, wait a minute, what are you talking about, a burned car? Chekon went on to say that if he were investigating the case, he'd be looking to see if Debbie Collier had any mental health issues now or in the past. He talked about the cryptic message sent with the Venmo and said he'd want to find out who they are in that statement, they won't let me go. So he was saying that it could be that Debbie was maybe hearing voices or not, but he would be digging deeply to find out who the they is. So basically, Chacon is saying the same things and asking the same questions that all of us are saying and asking. In my opinion, the wisest person on the panel was Joseph Scott Morgan. And I say that because I don't think we're going to know squat about this until the authorities release the autopsy results and the toxicology reports. And I also had a thought about those unnamed sources said to be close to the investigation. We heard this week that there was soot seen in Debbie Collier's nostrils. So I'm wondering if whoever is leaking information about the investigation was someone who was at that crime scene and could see her face and visibly see soot in her nostrils, because we did not hear from that leaked source anything about there being soot down in Debbie Collier's lungs. Just a thought that I had. You can take it for what it's worth. 
Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Now hit that like button if you haven't yet done so.